You're listening to Second Breaks, the show where we talk about feeling better, doing better, and being better in midlife and beyond. I'm Lou Blazer. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Second Breaks. We are at the tail end of the series of episodes that we've been doing as we look into the topic of retirement and unretirement, more specifically. And to close the series, I invited my friend Mary Beth Simone, whose uh, post-retirement plans you heard about a few weeks ago. I sat down with Mary Beth to chat about life post-retirement. This is less an interview and more of like a conversation because we were really comparing notes about our experiences after we left our corporate careers. Now, since both of us did end up starting small businesses of our own, we spent some time talking a little bit about the experience of launching our businesses and how it's been so far especially as compared to our original plans. But most of the time, we really were talking about the person we've become, the kind of people we've become after we left our corporate life. Now, a couple of things that struck me as we were reflecting on our post-corporate life. One, that no matter how much you plan for things, You know, things will take their own course. Sometimes the universe imposes its will on on us, as in the case of Mary Beth, who, you know, she had certain plans, but they were affected by the onset of the pandemic in 2020. Uh, There is this saying that I am going to butcher about how plans change as soon as they collide with reality or something to that effect. And uh, two, that you will likely change in ways that you may not have anticipated, as in my case, where the personal changes that I've undergone since I stepped away from my corporate life were completely unplanned. I didn't consciously move towards making those changes. It was only when others pointed them out to me that I realized how The experience so far has changed me after all, and uh, for the better too, I should add. Okay, I think that's it for context on this episode. I think whether you're already in retirement or just beginning to think about it, you will find helpful insights in this conversation with Mary Beth. Here you go. So let's just start with context, let's say, because I remember... When I when I did this myself, when I stepped away from my corporate life, you know, two years go by just very quickly. And then before you know it, I've done all kinds of different things that I had never planned to do. And there were some detours and side trips along the way. What, what's been your experience since you've, you know, you've retired from your corporate career and you've started doing this? You had a plan. I would put a, sh- uh, a link to the show notes for this as well. I released, re-released our original conversation around this. But at that time, the the focus of your uh, business plan was to go into consulting, 
right? You were mainly talking about consulting, helping people with preparing their their contingency plans primarily, right? Personal and business contingency plans. That was the major part of that business plan. Is that what happened? Or did you do something different? Or... (laughs) Did you end it yeah. up, you know? Yes. Yeah, so that, I mean, that did stay the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did move forward with helping people with their contingency plans. I was focused initially on local clients working in person with people. Yes. With a goal of um, being able to work virtually with people and working nationally, potentially internationally. After I first started working with people locally, I thought, oh, there's, it's going to be difficult for people to work with me remotely, you know, because it's such a high touch service when I'm with them and I can help them Mm -hmm. physically put their plan together and Mm -hmm. to get through all of the work. Uh, And then the pandemic happened and that instantly transported me into a virtual world, which was great for my business. Mm -hmm. And I was able to work with people nationally. So in some ways, I felt like it stopped my plan. So I had planned to speak in person at Mm -hmm. conferences, Mm -hmm. they all shut down. So I felt like I was, um, you know, had to pull back in some areas. But then in some areas, I was able to do things that I didn't think I would be doing for a couple of years until I got all of my processes in place. Oh, so it kind of accelerated certain parts of your plan? Is that what you mean? Yes, which is fascinating. Okay, so is it mainly the pandemic that did that? Or, or, I mean, not the pandemic, but because of the pandemic and everything shutting down and things moving online, is that primarily what, you know? I Yeah, I think so. So I, when that happened, I did, I no longer had any uh, reluctance about making my offer to work with people virtually. My perception was that they would not want to work with me virtually, but then everything was virtual. So it wasn't even a thing. You know, I had to figure out like my shipping and, you know, how am I going to get my materials to people? But yeah. Yeah. Obviously, we're still in the tail end of the world. Oh, hopefully we're in the tail end of the pandemic. But I think it's fair to say as we record this, as we're recording this, it's March 2022. We f- I feel like we need to be dating things these days yes. because you never know what's going to happen. But anyway, as we record this, it's March 2022 and things are beginning to open up. And yeah. I'm beginning to get invites again for in-person sort of conferences and stuff like that. Um, and I guess people are more comfortable being together. Yeah. So are you thinking of resuming the in-person sort of uh part of your business again, like doing the, the consultation in, in person? So because my client base has become national already, I don't even really think about the, like the having a focus locally and mm-hmm. working in person. I do offer to work in person with people across the country, but then my travel needs to be covered as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but that, that is the right service for some people, depending on uh, where they are, either in their business or in their life. But for most people, they want to work remotely. 
but I am starting to do in-person speaking engagements. So I already spoke at a conference in February. I have another one in July. So that is like, oh, such a breath of fresh air to be able to be in front of people again, <laughs> as opposed right, right. to the endless webinars. You know, I was thinking about that, actually. Was the speaking always part of the plan or was it something that came up afterwards or that opposite? So when I first started working on my business, I was working with somebody uh, who was in the What Works network. So mm -hmm. she told me about the network and Tara McMullen and all. And so I started listening to Tara's podcast and I heard Carol Cox interviewed on Tara's podcast and mm -hmm. you know Carol talked about how she wanted to see more women on stages and speaking about their business and getting visibility and I was like oh that's it that's what I want to do mm -hmm. um, yeah so I had done my first event December 2019 with very big plans for 2020 and then <laughs> had to switch everything to virtual which is it it was good but it's not the same as being in person so is how is the the speaking component of your business now you know how 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 do i phrase this you know how some people are intentionally building a career as a public speaker right as a paid public speaker that's primarily yeah i and i don't know may, maybe i am being unfair to say this, but I know most authors have a, a, a speaking career, like a public speaking, paid public speaking sort of career tacked into their authorship, author career, right? Because yes. then they can talk about the topics, their work, whatever. So, but then there are also people whose uh, plan don't necessarily have the speaking component as a critical part of the the business meaning it's just something that they do whenever it happens if it happens okay cool but otherwise they're not going to pursue it yeah How, what is your plan for your speaking or the stuff yeah. that you do around speaking yeah so public speaking for my business is my main visibility strategy mm. um so rather than you know, having an extensive social media marketing plan, that kind of thing. That's not really what I do. Public speaking is my way of gaining visibility. And it's not always just about my business. Mm -hmm. It can be, I wrote a TED style talk while during the pandemic, and I've given that at a couple uh, venues. So it can be things that can be more keynote style or, you know, personally based uh, talks that I give just for people to get to know who I am. And then as a side note, what my business is. And right. eventually, I would like to write a book yes. like you have done, <laughs> you know, and but I agree, I think that that kind of goes hand in hand, the authorship and the public speaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, except for me, because I don't. I was gonna say, do you speak? Do you speak at do you speak on the podcast? But do you speak at conferences? I know a lot of people say this, but I am this is an honest thing that I'm saying. I would literally just rather have a root canal. <laughs> 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 than 
Women's Week on stage and in public and you know that kind of the stuff that you do. But yeah, I speak all the time on the podcast、yeah. and stuff like that. But you know, the public speaking part is still a mountain I have to climb because I haven't climbed that mountain.、Uh, when I was in corporate America, when I、yeah. had my jobs,、um, I've had to do that because it's required. And、yes. I've had to knuckle it, down, you know, and and like just grit my teeth and like, okay, this is part of my job. I have to do this, even though I'm feeling all kinds of nerve nervousness and whatever. But now that I have a quote unquote choice about whether to do it or not, I'm choosing not to do it. <laughs> That's it's so interesting. I mean, I don't think I really enjoyed it in corporate. I had to do it. Like you said, as part of my job, but I didn't like talking about things that were not—I、um, don't know—like really important to me, or like talking about things that maybe I didn't—I didn't agree with the whole way that something would be rolled out, or you know. But when it comes to my business, I—I I love it. Huh? You know what? Maybe that's it, right? Because all the times that I have been speaking in public before. You know, with my different hats, yeah, it was all about the company's, you know, thing, whatever it was that my firm was doing, or you know, that kind of stuff.、Uh, whereas if I spoke today and I spoke about the topics that are of personal interest to me, and to use an overused word, passionate about, maybe I will feel differently about. Speaking in public, maybe I won't feel the same way.、Hmm, that's yeah. I should try. It's、that. worth <laughs> yeah considering because I feel like the corporate part of it is like had a totally different feel and different dynamics that you didn't, you may or may not have felt attached to delivering them. Yeah, which makes me want to ask this question. I was just wondering because we both. You know, we both did our corporate, you know, career thing. We were both、yeah. successful there, and then we both did certain things. Like, you know, we both did speak before as part of our job, but now you're continuing to do that. But you're doing this in a different sort of capacity or different purpose and different topics for sure. Do you feel that you are, for lack of a different phrase, do you feel you're a different person? Do you feel <laughs> prof- at least?、Uh, At least professionally, that you're a different person, if not totally a different person. I do. I very much feel like a different person. I feel like the work that I'm doing now that I bring a very different energy to it because it's something that I created, and I just feel so strongly about it. And I, as part of The mission of you know speaking publicly—it's really to try and encourage people to make one movement in the next two weeks to get them closer to being prepared, which、mm-hmm. most likely has nothing to do with me. But I just share with them tactics, you know, that they can consider,、mm-hmm. you know, and taking in the next two weeks, and I feel like that makes individuals, families, communities, businesses stronger in、mm-hmm. the you know in the short term.、Mm-hmm. 
We're going to get back to that interview shortly. I just wanted to briefly mention that this podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues. Now, Midlife Cues is a weekly digital publication for midlifers who are keen on making the most of their midlife. Every Sunday, we explore topics that help us live a joyful midlife. We talk about health and well-being. We talk about midlife mindset, one of the most important foundational things that we really need to master. We examine what growing bolder in our middle years mean for each of us individually. And we explore how we redefine success at work and in life. Give Midlife Cues a try by signing up for your free copy at midlifecues.com. Okie dokie, let's get back to the conversation. I may have mentioned this story to you before, but about a few months ago, I had dinner with someone I hadn't seen in a long time. The last time I saw her was I was still in New York. I was still in my you know, doing my job, my corporate job, I should say. So it's been at least 10 years since we saw each other. And then we saw each other for dinner last year. And one of the first things she told me was that I sound different or I look different and that I, that I come across less uh, uptight or freer, (laughs) like uh, less controlled, you know, and then a few days ago, just about a week ago, someone I used to work with uh, found me or just found me again on LinkedIn, I should say. And he, he sent me a message and he said, and I hadn't seen you in a long time. Oh my God, you look so so much happier and you sound so much happier, which made me think like, who, like <laughs> I must be really <laughs> a very different person from when I was in corporate America. And I guess... I guess there is that part, like, I don't know if it's part of the corporate persona or the, the role that I was playing back then that subconsciously was um, making me or pushing me to act a certain way, because it's definitely, it's not like my bosses told me to act one way or the other, but for some reason, I apparently was more serious, more... <laughs> Yeah, controlled, more uptight was the word that my friend said, which I don't mind hearing. But did did something like that? Does that resonate with you, or is something like that similar? Does that it does? And I was um, just having a similar conversation earlier this week, and realized that when I went into corporate financial services, there at that time, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, it wasn't valued to like stand out Mm. as, you know, an individual. Like I was mentioning, even all of the men at the company basically wore the same color suit. There, (laughs) You know, whereas today, I bet if I went there, I would see a lot more diversity of dress, Mm -hmm. you know, and the dress code has changed. But there Mm -hmm. was There was a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. that I perceived in the corporate structure to fit in, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and like to stay between the lines. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like you've, were you consciously stepping out of the line? Because the the reason I ask that is because I didn't know that I was consciously changing. Like, it's not like I stepped away from my job and said, "Uh uh-huh, now I can 
X, Y, Z, you know, it was, it's only when other people reflect back to me how my demeanor or how I carry myself has changed that I realized yeah. that. But do, do you, did you do it intentionally or do, were you consciously changing? I think I was consciously letting go that corporate persona. Mm-hmm. Um, because I did feel when I was in corporate that it, that I was constrained and partially it was, you know, I grew up in poverty in the inner city and I went to this, that where the businesses that I was working in is kind of, you know, like a higher income area. And I thought, oh my gosh, I am nothing like these people and I need to try and look and act like these people so that they don't figure out that mm-hmm. I'm not one of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I spent 31 years doing that. And then at, when I left, I was like, I just need to shed this, like <laughs> this, what what I have taken on here and let this new, you know, version of myself, <laughs> you know, be born. Did that sort of manifest in the way that you dress or how did that manifest Totally, totally. So, I mean, I have, because I do public speaking, I have worked with a stylist and I've basically gotten rid of all of my... The corporate uh, look. Yeah, the whole corporate look. Like there's nothing black in my closet, nothing, no shoes, no pants. You know, I had like six pairs of black pants and (laughs) all these black shoes. Because I didn't clean out after corporate, but then when I worked with her... Um, you know, all my colors are different and yeah. And I love it. That's funny. Yeah. I traded in the blazer for the denim jacket. (laughs) That's the new me. (laughs) Yes. The one thing that I noticed myself is my writing voice because Mm. in corporate America, I wrote a lot of reports to my clients and stuff like that. And I guess there is a business voice that I I took on or that I was using whenever I wrote. Like n- now I cringe like when I read back on what I had written back in 2015 or 2016. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I sound so, I do sound so uptight. But um, somehow, and I don't know, it's not like, it's, I didn't, I, there wasn't a coach or anything who advised me. It's just somehow through the years, I found a way to my my natural voice, if I could use that phrase. or Because now I do read my writings and it sounds looser. It sounds friendlier. It sounds um, closer to how I might chat with you if we were talking in person as compared to how I used to write before. That's interesting that you noticed that. I do feel like the writing for our businesses is so, so different than the writing in corporate. So different. Like they would, you know, like in corporate, I think you would like struggle to be, to connect with people, you know, outside of the corporate realm, you know? Right. Yeah. I'm just imagining myself writing to an old, you know, a client from my corporate job. The way that I write someone now is very cordial it's not well obviously we're always cordial but very friendly and very informal like and I'm like I don't know that I would be (laughs) 
able to write that before when I was in corporate America. I don't know. Right. I, maybe it's just me. Who knows? Maybe that's what my job needed <laughs> was for me to be more serious and, you know. I think so. I think that there were standards and, you know, uh, acceptable templates of, you know, communication, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of trickled down whether we were instructed to follow that. You know, we mm-hmm. did see examples uh, that were like, oh, that's that's the vibe that yeah. should come across. Yeah. And, you know, as far as your business was concerned, you you knew that that's not the vibe that you wanted for your business. Yeah, it's a totally different uh, way of connecting. Mm-hmm. You know, the stuff that I'm talking to people about mm-hmm. is not always easy to digest or think about. So it's kind of like you have to take them on a journey, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just to kind of shift uh, topics a little bit, what did you find sort of hard? <laughs> like, I'm taking this from the context of like, you had a plan from, you know, when you yeah. retired from your corporate career, you had a plan, this is what I wanted to do. Since then, it's been two years, what did you find hard, harder than you imagined it to be? And then what yeah. did you find easier than what you, you know, imagined it to be? When I think back to our initial interview, I think you asked me something about like, how would I find clients? And my answer was, well, I don't really need that many clients. Mm. Well, <laughs> it's not that easy to find clients, especially mm-hmm. as a new business owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so learning that how many people that you need to connect with in order to find one client was definitely a learning curve. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, not being able to be in, in person networking and that kind of, yeah. So, you know, that all changed. Uh, So that was harder than what I anticipated. Mm -hmm. I would say what was, well, did you find it this was one of the things that shocked me that was harder than I had ever thought it was going to be. Because when I was in corporate America, my my calendar was very busy with meetings, calls, meetings, back to back, because of the role that I had back then. And I thought that once I step away from that, then it would be great because I won't have this full calendar of meetings and calls which is exactly what happened. But oh my God, Maribeth, the first few months, I felt like lost because it was like so quiet. There's so like those meetings and those calls provided a kind of structure or activity in my day that all of a sudden disappeared. And I felt lost for a while. And that that surprised me because as an, as an introvert, I would have thought I would be so happy. Eventually, I felt happy, <laughs> but not immediately. I, I missed those. Somehow the, the lack of the busyness sort of was rattling yeah. me for a bit. So I think my experience was I was busy. So I created my website myself initially. Mm-hmm. I have since had it completely redone. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was busy with that kind of thing. And, you know, trying out different things like a a CRM and all of that kind of stuff. So I was so busy, but I didn't have like you're saying, like the structure to my Mm -hmm. day. So what made me feel 
really lost was not having a system to for my week. Like, mm. what do I do on what days? So I would be either networking every day or like every week was different. And then I started working, you know, six to seven days a week, some weeks. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. You know, this is just not a post-retirement career. <laughs> so that was, that took a while to figure out, right? You know, because I really only want to work four days a week. So yeah. yeah. My therapist at that time told me something. Um, I don't know if she was the one who coined it or some other person coined it, but I've only heard it from her. She said, uh, what you need to create is structured creativity. Because at first I thought that was two opposing words. Yeah. But then I, I, over time, I learned what, you know, I understood what she meant. And that I, I can't just like wake up and go, do I feel like working? <laughs> working? Yes, exactly. And I think another part that was really hard was like using social media for your business and trying not to go down a rabbit hole. With oh, it. yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Tell us another thing, too, that was hard was that some some learned person said use social media for networking or for networking purposes which is true it's a good use of social media but you have to know what you're doing cuz to your point you could end up spending all your time in social media yeah your time and your money and yeah oh yes. my gosh exactly yeah. like figuring out where were worthwhile places to spend time Right. That was a challenge. Yeah. Did you join communities right away or networks right away? I did, you know, because that was one of the things that was a challenge. When I was in corporate, it was yeah. all about networking in corporate. Yeah. Like so that you would find your next job and all of that, you know, because I would yeah. move around every two to four years. So all of my time networking was spent in the corporation and then I retired and I had no network outside of corporate none yeah and so that was that was a big learning curve and trying to figure out where was it worthwhile to pay to join mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. networks you know I guess did you learn that right away because I learned that the hard way like did you learn that, that right away did you do that right away like learned which ones were worth no like oh I gotta or? join communities I actually need to actively yeah. look <laughs> it's I, guess, <laughs> I guess I kind of thought that they would all be free <laughs> I wasn't thinking that it was going to be an expense and like yes. that the community that I joined would probably be better if I spent more money on it like all of that kind of stuff I was like holy moly so it was yeah that so I is think so, so true so that has been a trial and error so I try and keep it you know to a minimum like two to three communities where mm -hmm. I'm all in and really mm -hmm. invested and then but every year I try I add on another one or two yeah. and you know try it out and then weed them out you know what it's so funny that's enough so I've always said that one of the things that was hard for me was realizing is that I had to now 
deliberately pay attention to n- nurturing my network or building my network because when I was in corporate America, I did, I felt like it just happened naturally. Like I never, I don't remember having to say, okay, I have to like be deliberate about. It. It's just normally happening, organically happening, right? And then and then I stepped out of that world, and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, wait a second. <laughs> To, like I, we had a very similar sort of um, situation where I didn't have a network outside of corporate America, and I realized that I have to now deliberately build a network. But as you were talking, I just realized that that was one of those things that I learned too, because I never had to pay to join a community before. Like I, I paid for like trade associations and stuff like that, but I paid for those not to become a member of the community for you know what I mean those are more like okay well I'm a member of this network association and you know that what that was that I just realized it now as you were talking that I never had to pay for communities before and now I do but there's nothing but there's nothing wrong with it in fact perhaps that's the way that you you curate your communities because you join the communities that make sense for you to join or that matter to you the most or you know and and that is where your message gets amplified Mm -hmm. is in that community so once Mm -hmm. you identify that community that they are the people that you want to be surrounded with then it completely makes sense to you know keep that membership and to stay where your message can be amplified and you can meet people who are you know symbiotic to your your cause so it's really an investment yeah yeah Yeah. all right so what came easy year than you had originally thought of so i mean i guess with the the flip side of the networking thing was that the networks that i did join, I was surprised at how supportive and they were and how much I could learn in the networks. That really surprised me. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to compare, contrast some of the associations or trade associations that I was part of when I was in corporate America and, and the communities that I'm part now, I'm part of now. And I'm probably not good. I'm I'm going to butcher this because I didn't think about this. This is the first time I'm thinking about it and I'm talking about it as I'm thinking about it. So I'm definitely yeah. going to butcher this. But <laughs> there's a sense nowadays, the communities that I'm part of, there's a sense of, you know, we're all in this together and we're helping each other out. And you, I mean, obviously there's exceptions to the rule, but as a general statement, you, you, you show up as who you are. There's no puffing your feathers kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. Whereas in the in the network associations that I joined when I was part of corporate America, it was more about there's a lot of how impressive my role is or how impressive my job title is or how big my company, the part of, you know what I mean? There's a lot yes. of that puffing of chest sort of thing that's happening. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say, but that I don't hear a lot nowadays. Yeah, like it seemed more competitive and hierarchical, Mm -hmm. you know, where that hierarchy that would be in the organization where I worked would also follow into those types of organizations of, you know, like, well, this person is at the top. And so Mm -hmm. 
you know, if they don't agree with you, then that's not what the way we're going to go or something, you know, something similar to the corporate structure. And so that doesn't, that is not the way the communities that I'm a part of and yeah. I'm sure you're a part of yeah. uh, operate. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I'm just imagining now, like if someone in the communities that we're part of, if someone said, I just closed a deal with this you know, company and it's worth X amount. I could just see it's very often that when that person talks about that particular achievement that that person would say, and this is how I did it. And these are, these are the mistakes that I did while doing it. And these are like the lessons learned. And, uh, but this is what worked and what didn't work for me. And then people would ask questions and the person who's talking about her experience or his experience would be very open in sharing, you know, yeah. what they went through. Comparing that to like a networking event that I might have attended 12 years ago and somebody said, I just closed a deal with this big shot, whatever company. And nobody would go, how did you do it? And that person would never share how they did it or, you know, lessons <laughs> exactly. learned or whatever, right? It was more about, I just closed this multi-million dollar deal. And that was that. <laughs> yeah. It's so, that's a great analogy. I think that's so, so true. You know, like in the communities that we're in now, if someone were to say, oh, well, I'm working on something that sounds similar. Would you mind if we, you know, have a Zoom call? And that totally happens. And they're yes. like, yeah, let's, let's, you know, get together and I'll share with you, blah, blah, blah. You know, so and helpful. Exactly. Or like, oh my goodness, These, especially the, the, the mistakes or the, the things that, like, let me tell you what I did wrong so you don't have to, like, we're very open to sharing those things so other people won't go through that same yes. headache. That is so much better. <laughs> it's so much better. Yeah. If only. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So we talked about a lot of stuff, Meredith, but I just wanted to kind of summarize a little bit in terms of what you do today and just please correct me if I'm wrong so you still do the consulting one-on-one -on -one, helping people with their contingency plans you still do that right yes and you also do speaking engagements yes. nowadays to corporations to organizations yes yeah, so it is to organizations so I just spoke to the Pennsylvania Sustainable Agriculture Conference mm -hmm. so that was farmers restaurateurs mm -hmm. shop owners those kinds of uh, of business owners I'll be speaking to mental health practitioners at a business conference in Chicago so like uh, I guess like specialty conferences uh -huh. okay. and to like women's organizations and yeah community organizations yeah 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 cool beans well where can people find out more about these kinds of things that you're doing where's the best place yeah, so the best place is on my website, so nichepartnershipconsulting.net, mm -hmm. and I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you'd like to connect with me, just mention that you uh, heard me on Lou's podcast, and I would love to connect with you. Cool beans. Well, I'm going to put, you know, the links to all of those things on the show notes. So, well, Marybeth, my friend, thank you so much for indulging me in <laughs> having this chat with an old friend about all these things i appreciate it it was wonderful talking with you and taking this uh journey through our corporate <laughs> lives to our entrepreneurial pursuits i loved it 
I want to thank Mary Beth again for joining me and sharing her experiences so far with us. I put all the links in the show notes, which you will find when you head on over to secondbreaks.com. If you enjoyed this episode or like listening to the podcast, please do me a solid and leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. It helps us reach more midlifers who can benefit from the show. Thank you so much. Okie dokie, I'll be back in a couple weeks with a new episode to help us make the most of this second half of our lives. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans. Cool beans.